Hello, everyone. My, this is Abe, and I am Chelsea. And welcome to China SST Convocation. Last fall, we lived for three months in the Sichuan province of China. For six weeks, we lived in Nanchong with host families and studied the language, history, and culture of China. Then, for five weeks, we were divided into four smaller cities to teach English at the middle school level. During the last week of SST, we traveled to Xi'an to see the terracotta warriors and then to Beijing to see popular tourist attractions such as the Great Wall and Tiananmen Square. Beautiful! Now, Matthew on the right and little friend Emma will share some facts about China. Yeah, I'm Matthew. I'm Emma. Um, first, we're going to just say a few things about China um, overall, and then we're going to tell you a little bit about um, little quirky facts that we saw in China. Um, China has a population of 1.3 billion people, and that's roughly a billion more people than live in the United States, and over 19% of the world's population. So there were a lot of people. Um, almost one-fifth of every human is Chinese. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, language is a major source of pride in China, and as you can see, it's um, a pictographic language and not an alphabetic one, which means we can't exactly sound out the words, and it's really difficult to learn, and there's over 40,000 characters, and most elementary students learn about four to 5,000 by the time they graduate. Um, and it's the third largest country in the world be behind Russia and Canada, um, but everything is in one time zone. Um, okay, so some interesting, interesting things about China that we experienced. We're going to show you through pictures and demonstrations. And the first one is the way that we would see men walking with their shirts. Um, and Carlin and Ben and Nathan and Ricky are going to demonstrate for you how it was really, really, really hot when we got there. And so this is what you would see kind of <laughs> on the streets. Um, and so, yeah, old men with cigs hanging out of their mouths and their shirts up like that. Um, there's a map of China. Well, it's not, it's not the picture. <laughs> okay. Um, well, then I'll, we'll just start with food then. Um, Sichuanese cuisine, well, we were in the province of Sichuan, and the cuisine there is notoriously really spicy. And one of the main foods, or what they're known for, is hot pot, which is that right there. It's a boiling pot of spicy oil in the middle of the table, and everyone then makes their own little sauce full. It's sesame seed or sesame oil, and then you put 
like cilantro and garlic or whatever you want it, and then you put in your ingredients in the boiling oil, and then you put it in your sauce and eat it. And you use like lotus root, different types of meat, tripe, intestine, all sorts of things. It was good. Yeah. Uh, there's some hot pot that you could cook on the street. Um, here's um, some food that we would have seen sold by street vendors. On the left is some pig snout there, and then um, dog hanging from the top. Dog is really good. Yeah, I never ate dog, but some woman asked me, she pointed, she's like, do you know this? I was like, I know what that is. Um, <laughs> we have some pig hoof, um, chicken feet, which was really like a really common snack food, and then some stuff you could buy in the store, like spicy duck different parts of, pretty much they would use every part of an animal that we would throw away. Um, this is when Becca got put in the newspaper. <laughs> she, being, um, she went to a mooncake factory. Um, oh, just all, the, all the toilets in China are squat toilets, and if you don't know what that is, it's just a hole in the ground, and so we all had to squat. And oftentimes the shower was over there, so theoretically you could go to the bathroom while you showered, but I don't think Anyone successfully did that? <laughs> um, beds are made of wood, and so it would just be like a wooden board that you would lay on. Um, one source of entertainment that a lot of Chinese people like to take us to was KTV, which is karaoke television. And you get in this big, hot, sweaty room, and you have a big screen TV, and all you do is sing karaoke. And it's a lot of fun, because it's all just like pop songs from America that they somehow know, and we somehow still remember. But, <laughs> Some, uh, no. Something that we had pictures of, um, but I don't think they're in order, is that um, <laughs> Chinese people love to take pictures with you because, well, especially in Sichuan where we were, and there's not usually foreigners living in that region, and so they'll come up and ask you to take pictures. And so we have plenty of pictures of Chinese people surrounding us, people that we didn't know. Um, they'll ask you, Becca especially, to hold their babies <laughs> and get a picture with that. So. <laughs> Um, another thing is that if you walk down a street, you'll see a like, doctor's clinic and the window will be completely like, you can look into the clinic and just see old people laying in the beds staring out at the street. Um, and that's the same with dentist's office. You can like, watch somebody have their dental work done. Um, a lot of people had um, computers in their room or in their house at some point, but in addition to KTV, another popular pastime is go to internet cafes, which are everywhere. And Interesting enough, most of the time what I saw people doing was either being on QQ, which is their equivalent of Instant Messenger, Facebook type thing, or um, playing League of Legends or Counter-Strike Source or some other video games that were popular here in America. Oh yeah, um, and a weird cultural thing is that it's perfectly acceptable, acceptable for people of the same gender to hold hands as opposed to people who are dating or whatever. So whenever I'd go out with my family, I'd always hold my little brother's hand. Yeah. Um, Babies, um, they would, I don't think we have a picture of this, but they would have their, um, they wouldn't really wear diapers, and so they would have like a slit in their pants, and so their parents would just hold them, and so they could do their business in the street. Um, and that's a big thing, like, I mean, that was done in the street, and then people would just throw their trash in the street, and right away a street cleaner would come and clean it up. And so, I mean, the street was a trash can, pretty much, but it was constantly being cleaned by street cleaners. And the street was also dirty because everyone spit everywhere. Like, 
you, I, I never got used to it, but you'd always hear someone just like coughing up a lung every single day. <laughs> Couldn't handle it. But eventually I think we all, I mean, I picked up spitting. It's kind of weird, but I spit <laughs> constantly. Um, so those are some things that we had, and now I think Katie and Emily are going to talk about living with host families. Okay, I'm going to back up a little bit. Okay, hello, I'm Emily. And I'm Katie. We're going to talk about host families. All right, so some things that were specific to uh, like Chinese host homes are the squat pots that they talked about. Some people had the luxury of having a Western toilet, <laughs> but not me, <laughs> not most of us. Um, there were really small kitchens with really little fridges that we weren't allowed to go into the kitchen. Guests generally weren't allowed in kitchens. Um, late into, we got there when it was really hot and the windows were always open. And so there was like always a hot breeze, but then moving into the colder season, the windows were still always open. <laughs> and so we ended up walking around in our coats um, most of the, the fall season. There are no central heating systems in China, so anywhere you went, it was cold. If the building was cold, you were also cold. Um, I know on service, a lot of us taught English and, well, we all taught English, but we sometimes would have to lecture in coats and gloves and scarves, and that was just how it was. Um, another thing about host family is, um, obviously, there was a wide range of English that was being spoken within the home, and I know on study, most of us had pretty good English speakers in our homes, but on service, it was a lot less English. Um, I know in my host family, I only had a 13-year-old sibling that could speak very broken English on service, mm -hmm. so um, it was a little bit of a drastic change. Most of us had English, for the most part, in study, and then most of us did not on service. So. And along with that, um, we in the Sichuan province, the Sichuan dialect is very strong and heavy, and we all learned the Mandarin dialect. And so even though we had all right Chinese skills, like we could tell our parents when we wanted to go to sleep and stuff, but um, we had a lot of trouble understanding our parents even because the dialect was so thick. And so that also... Um, the way that we were in our host families, it was like we were getting to know them backwards. So you had to get really comfortable with uh, your parents and siblings when you weren't speaking with them, just like sitting in the same room. And then eventually you could learn to speak with them and find out what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And another thing we were going to talk about is a concept that um, is a sociological principle in China. It's called saving face. And um, some of you have, may have heard of this. Um, it, the Chinese culture is very reciprocal. So let's say a family takes another family out for, uh, for, out for a meal. The very next week, um, that family will re reciprocate that. And it's almost like a never-ending cycle of people giving back to each other and giving back to each other. And um, it's, a, um, it's a way to avoid embarrassment or to keep a very high standard of relationships and a high standard of social networking. Um, and so saving face, um, a, an example of this is when I was on study, um, my host family bought me a spoon and a fork, which was very nice of them, but um, they wanted to save the embarrassment of me maybe not knowing how to use chopsticks. Um, they didn't want me to like drop a bunch of food on the table. So to prevent that, they bought me some silverware, which I didn't end up using, but um, that was an example of them wanting to make sure I wasn't embarrassed. 
And the other thing that goes into saving face is the idea of social networking. Um, whereas in this culture, we might find it a little bit iffy to like get into a college based on connections or something. That is like the basis of, of the society and how that works. Those relationships are taken very seriously. Okay, and then um, Andrew and Becca are now going to talk to us about study in Nanchong. Hi, I'm Andrew, and I'm going to try to find my pictures. All right, so um, a typical day for on study for us would start with a bus ride, usually riding one or two bus lines to uh, Sichuan Normal University, or China West Normal University, um, where we'd find our morning lecture. Um, China West Normal University is a university of about 30,000 students, um, which is pretty standard size for a university in China. Um, if anything, compared to some city universities, maybe even a little small. Um, one example of this. This is the uh, freshman mandatory military training that all of the freshman class undergoes at the beginning of their freshman year. So this would be the entire freshman class for the university um, all lined up. And this is actually the final ceremony of their military training. So that's, I don't know, I tried to count them one time, but it's a couple thousand people. <laughs> um, so it's a big university. Um, Okay, so, um, so we'd head to China West Normal University in the morning for a morning lecture. Um, those lectures were taught by professors from the university um, on their subjects of interest. So anything from, uh, let's see, Chinese geography, uh, Chinese literature, ethnic minorities in China, um, history, folk music, uh, and a lot of others, uh, a lot of other subjects um, we heard about. Uh, we heard from lots of different lecturers, um, and that was about, the morning lectures lasted for about two hours. And then after the morning lecture, we had a three-hour lunch break. So we would head out into the city, um, and that was our time for exploration and also finding something to eat. Um, and one of the most exciting and actually the, yeah, one of the best parts of being in China is that on every street in every city, there are just lines and lines and lines of these little kind of hole-in-the-wall noodle shops. Um, and so we'd head just basically anywhere we wanted to um, and walk into any random noodle shop and pay about a dollar um, for a bowl of noodles. And uh, it was always very delicious. Um, <laughs> the, other, the other place that we would head um, uh, sometimes was to American restaurants for some American comfort food. Um, here we were at KFC, I think, having coffee and ice cream sundaes, which is something you wouldn't get at any other Chinese restaurant. Um, and KFC is very popular in China. Um, and then lunch break would usually end with as many euchre rounds as we could get in um, before our afternoon language class started. Um, <laughs> uh, so our, our afternoon language classes was, it went from 2.30 to 5, so it was two and a half hours long. We were split into two different sections. Uh, we were learning pretty similar material, but with very different um, teaching styles. Uh, these are some pictures from my classroom. Um, so we spent a lot of time, many, many hours, um, making sentences and uh, uh, trying, to, <laughs> trying to come up with ways to describe the weather, um, new ways to describe the weather. Um, and so uh, next, uh, I think we're going to have a skit um, of 
kind of a, a standard classroom situation um, with our teacher, Li Jimin. And I think Abe is going to be playing Li Jimin, so. <laughs> All right, good morning, class. Good morning, class. Um, today, today, we'll be learning about uh, tra transportation. And so I want you to uh, just have a dialogue and just talk about going to uh, Xi'an with your family and say, tell me what the weather is like and say, is it raining? Is it cold? What, what is the temperature? And uh, just uh, have a try. So Richie, Richie, why don't you uh, just, uh, just uh, have a try. Just give it a shot. Stand up, yeah. No, no. More, say more, more sentences, more complicated. Okay, we try something new. All right, all right, sit down, sit down. We, we will try something very simple. Uh, let's try counting. So, one, two, five. One, two, five. Uh, so one, e. e, 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 high tone, high tone, e, e. R. R, san, 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 san. si, very good, very si, falling tone, si, wo, 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 okay, okay, have a rest, have a rest. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, my name is Becca, and I'm going to be talking about a little more about the city of Nanchang. Uh, Nanchang is home to over 7 million people, so it's very, very busy, and uh, we soon realized that Nanchang is pretty synonymous with noise. Um, within the last 10 or 20 years or so, uh, Nanchang has replaced its bicycles with cars and mopeds and taxis. So the streets were incredibly busy. Traffic was just like ridiculous. Um, a lot of us lived on streets, well everyone lives in apartments, at least, yeah, um, very, very high apartments. I lived on the eighth floor with no elevator. And so some of us lived really close to these, these really busy streets. So in the morning we'd be awoken by horns and roosters and yeah, lots of noise. Um, so even though Nanchang is busy like this, it's unique in that it's surrounded by mountains. Um, so on the weekend, it was one thing we could do was climb Shishan, Shishan, West Mountain, um, which was really beautiful because on a clear day, usually Nanchang is very smoggy, but on a clear day, you can look out and see the city for miles and miles and then surrounded by all these mountains. Uh, here's some mopeds. Some of us actually got to ride these mopeds. They have moped taxis, which is a lot of fun. Um, this is Shishan. You have to climb up all these stairs to get up to the mountain to even start climbing it. Uh, another thing we did, a lot of us went on picnics in the countryside. Um, this one was about 10 hours long. Um, we usually went with our host families and played cards or walked to the river. Another thing you could do is go to Beihu Park, which is kind of like New York Central Park, but for Nanchang, um, there was, this is Tai Chi, which is like dance for older women. And then you could walk around, there's a pond. Uh, let's see, some of us went to tea houses and then ever popular, we would just walk around and 
eat food. So uh, we will have a skit now by Carlin and Stan about uh, kind of an example of bartering with uh, food vendors and just buying things. Okay. Uh, once, once in English and once in Chinese. in Chinese, me buying something, or trying to at least, and then we'll translate it to English just to show you how little uh, dialogue we actually have. Use the mic. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, so I am going to be uh, me, and Carlin is going to be the shopkeeper, and you'll see how helpful Carlin can be. All right. 你好你好你好我爱国人你好你好什么可以帮你问你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好衣服你好
Um, another great thing about the city of Xi'an was the city wall, which is still intact after, um, from the colonial area. And uh, we were able to ride bikes around the entire city wall. It's like a 4.5 mile loop, I think, something like that. And that was a bunch of fun, just riding around this huge city wall, seeing all the sights off to the right and left and inside and outside. Um, <laughs> it was pretty fun. Okay. Um, all right. And while we were on study back in Nanchang, for the first six weeks, we went out to this farm. And it was right after... Uh, the harvest season for rice so we were able to go here and with little tiny sickles we just chopped down all the stalks from the rice um, I don't think anyone had as much fun as Carlin did uh, he was the master at cutting down rice stalks <clears throat> but it was a it was a great excursion um, just because we got to meet a lot of people um, I also included this picture on the bottom right because it shows Marshall without a beard. <laughs> That's really the only reason I put it in there. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> but, um, okay, uh, one of the really cool things about um, the place we were at, if you look at this house, you can't really see it that well at the bottom, but it's a, it's a mixture of like old and new, which is how China always is. It's, um, it's an old farmhouse, but it was also connected to this really new, modern concrete structure. So it's just like a weird juxtaposition of old and new together. Huh? Okay, yeah. Um, the last thing we did uh, before we left China was we visited the Great Wall, which was definitely an experience. Um, it's called the Great Wall for a reason. It's pretty great. <laughs> We, we just kind of ran around on it for about three hours. Um, it was uh, just amazing. Uh, I don't know if you can see how, like, the scale of this, but it just keeps on going on. Sometimes you can see it, like, way across on a different mountain, and you're just like, wow, it goes all the way over there. And then you realize that once you get to that other mountain, you'll see it on another mountain even farther, and it will just keep on going. And a lot of it's kind of falling apart. Um, they haven't done much to, like, reconstruct a lot of it which is okay because there's so much of it. But the parts that they have done look really nice, like this, which is uh, going up to the wall, I believe. Okay. Thank you. Well, uh, I'm Marshall Watson, and this is Ben Adams. And we were chosen to lead uh, the group and you guys in Tai Chi. Um, the reason is because we are very good at it, and we know what we're doing. That's not that true. <laughs> so sorry, we're going to look like idiots. Um, but we'll try our best. Um, so we're going to do it, and they're going to do it, and then second time around, you can stand up and follow. We chosen kind of like not a whole lot of leg movements for your benefit. Um, so, yeah, and ours. Um, yeah, so like it was mentioned before, it was a morning exercise mainly for old women.
We're going to try to go slow for you. Sonia and we're here to talk to you a little bit about what we did on uh, service so all of us were split into four different um, groups in four different cities Elong, Longjong, Xichang and Nanbu and we were told to teach English to middle school middle schoolers which includes like uh, 7 through 12 um, and essentially what we chose to do was um, teach pronunciation and stuff like that. Yeah. Most of us had, um, this is the school that we, we were at. Were at. <laughs> this is the university, okay. Most of us had uh, students from around 50 to 90 per class. This was one of the smaller classes. And then you would have these big classes um, some of us taught dually, like there was two teachers per classroom, but there was one location that taught Actually, I think one person per classroom. We were the lucky ones to have the 90 kids. I think she um, was that way too. <laughs> yeah. Um, some of the classrooms, I guess, uniques, when you walked in, all of them would be yelling and screaming and then they'd sit down. As soon as you said hello, they would stand up and greet you, and then they would stay standing until you told them to sit down. So um, they were still respectful of us, even though we were maybe much younger than their teachers. They, we still felt respected by them when we were teaching. Right. You want to talk community? And then um, also, we got to know the teaching community through teaching there, and sometimes we were expected to do things um, through those friendships, like participate in a primary school English program, or go to the countryside and teach in a uh, primary school there. And that is some of the uh, teaching that we did, um, at least in Nanbu, that we would work with pronunciation and just a general sentence. Some of it may have been review for them, but it was nice to have. Right, we also had a lot of cooperation from them because us being foreigners, they really wanted to take advantage of us being there and teaching them the actual, as they would call it, the actual English. That was our service. <laughs> yep. And then we have... We have Jake and Andy talking about leisure in Elong. Okay, um, well, in China, there's one thing they associate the most with um, leisure time, and that is the game Mahjong. If anybody knows what that is, anyway. It's a tile game that you play that 
it's pretty fast, and they play it like really fast. Like we couldn't even play like a quarter of as fast as they did. And they would play this game for money. It was a gambling game. But you would see it everywhere. People would play on street corners. They would play in classrooms. They would just play it everywhere. They would, most people played in tea shops. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty simple game. It's mostly luck. There's really no skill at all. But there's also a lot of gambling. They use it for gambling. And we never really learned the rules for gambling because they're really complicated. And it was also really, uh, yeah, there's a picture. It was also really nice because we got to know a lot of the locals a lot better by playing Mahjong with them. So we got to learn a lot that we wouldn't have otherwise, and that was nice. Um, some other things that we tended to do for leisure is, in Yilong particularly, we were, the entire city was on like a really big mountain. And we would climb the mountain and go hiking, and you could just find like really great views everywhere. And I think it was a, a, the air was a lot cleaner than most other places were, which was nice. Now, Ben will talk about Shishan. All right, my name is Ben Adams. Um, I was in Shichong with Ricky and Matthew, uh, otherwise known as Slytherin House. <laughs> and are my pictures here? My pictures might not be here. Okay, well, no pictures. So I'm gonna talk about leisure time um, in our city. And to start off, me and Ricky played a lot of cards, as well as Matthew. Sorry, I should have mentioned Matthew, too. He was there. Um, and so we spent the majority of our free time playing cards with each other or with our host families. My mother um, owned a mahjong parlor, and so cards and mahjong were readily available for us. And she was always having that place open for us and the teachers of the school. Um, while we were in Xichong, we uh, kind of were assigned friends. And looking back on that now, I realize how depressing that sounds. Um, but there were a few students uh, from our school who took us around the city on multiple occasions. Um, we went up to a mountain quite a bit. We went to the city square and did some boating. Um, I think the favorite part of service for me was the nightly walks to the grocery store. Um, almost every night, I would go with my host family to the grocery store. Sometimes I'd pick up Matthew along the way since he lived close, and sometimes we'd make Ricky come in uh, to hang out with us. So going to the store, buying stuff, having my mom hassle me, saying, what's these? And uh, making me try to figure out the Chinese word for whatever item it was in the grocery store, and then me telling her the English, um, which, uh, it, it was fun. So, yeah, and that's it. I'm Chelsea Wimmer. I'm Nathan Stanley. Uh, we're finding our photos. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. We did our service location with Emily Trapp, Carlin Epp, and Katie Miller in a city called Langjong, which was famous for its 2,300-year-old ancient city. This ancient city was home to the military general Zhang Fei in the BCs, and it's a major tourist destination for a lot of Chinese from Sichuan and around that area for Zhang Fei's grave, um, the only feng shui museum in China, because Langzhong is really famous for its good feng shui. And then a lot of 
big tourist streets like this one that sold like fans and silk and um, clothes and food and stuff. But if you went off the main touristy streets, as we often did when we didn't have class, we would find a lot of really small shops with really specific artisans who did really beautiful, amazing things like Chinese painters and watercolorists, calligraphers, tailors. And there's just a really big difference between the tourist, like big strip that most people stayed along, and then the really intricate winding main, like back roads that would lead to the river. Um, a lot of the shopkeepers in the touristy areas would be really aggressive with us, like Carl was with Nathan, and just trying to get us to buy as much stuff for like as much of price as they could get for us because we were easily gullible foreigners. But a lot of the people on the little strips on the outside were more just curious as to why we were there and just about us in general as opposed to just seeing us as big bags of money. <laughs> yeah. Um, the people of Longzhong were super, super proud of the ancient city. If, um, as soon as we got to Longzhong uh, or met someone new, it was probably the first thing they would ask us if you've been to the ancient city, if you saw it, do you know about it? It's really old. Um, one unique thing about it was there were no motor vehicles in the ancient city at all. As soon as you hit the east gate, there was just um, a wall there that allowed no mopeds or cars in it at all. And so in the city, there was nothing but traffic and noises, but um, a lot of times we just would go to the uh, ancient city in Langzhong and walk around or find a tea shop and just relax, play cards, and it was kind of a getaway, which I think that's how it was for most people in Langzhong. Um, so all in all, I felt a pretty good connection to the ancient city and it had to be the feng shui. <laughs> Thank you. I guess I'm next. Oh. Am I doing this? I, oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I guess I'm doing it. Um, I'm going to be reading a kind of revised version of a poem that I wrote as part of a final project, or as part of my final project um, for SST, um, and sort of gives a picture. Um, well, my final project was a book of poems about uh, one street in my service location. Um, and the name of the street is Pao Tai Lu. Um, so when you hear the words Pao Tai, that's, that's what it is um, in the poem. <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, it kind of gives a picture of what life in our, the service cities was like in kind of smaller, more country cities. Um, so yeah, it's called Night. Supper's under 1573s as its red sign spills, noodles on, and the TV. Three generations cross with me. Another two holds hands. Teacher dad's in the piano shop looking on. His daughter pounds her keys against the wall. A pow tie night, a pow tie dim. Trickles the shadow of a market street down her left finger until it comes out in sound. TV repair has a bulb and that's it. His son watches cartoons on a half done, framed by a crowd of its disemboweled brothers. Generator drones out the call of a shadow of market street as its shop bulb candlelights blink. Farmer dad holds a daughter, even tighter than cigarette-clenched teeth, as he cleans away light and the day. Two pretty salon boys in mirrors, under fluorescence too bright, too pale next to Pao Tai's soft yellow. A few elders still linger, for the bits of the day left, packed out in fishing shops with their words. Pao Tai, go home. Clip bulbs from doors. Let the taxis lull you. 
Pautai lit slowly from a corner, tossing itself at the Jialing River, flowing itself to sleep. Okay? And I think we're going to finish with a song. This is Do Re Mi from The Sound of Music in Chinese that we sang to host families and for our kind of goodbye ceremony for them. coming to China's History Convocation. If you have any more questions, let us know. But thank you for coming. You're dismissed. <laughs>